0: Hello and welcome to the Modern Divorced Podcast. I'm your host, Billy Tarasio. I'm the owner of Modern Law, a family law firm in the Phoenix area. I've been a divorce attorney for more than 15 years. I've got four kiddos and I'm divorced myself. And on this podcast, we're going to cover everything related to divorce, be it legal issues, financial issues, children issues, blended family issues, counseling, mediation, and more. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Hi, this is Billy Tarasio, and welcome back to the Modern Divorce Podcast. Today, I am joined by, is it Dr? Yes. I'm joined by Dr. Don Gordon, and we're going to talk about uh, something pretty heavy. It's the negative impacts to your children of divorce and ways that you can mitigate against those negative impacts. Mm -hmm. Dr. Don, welcome to the show.
1: Oh, thanks. It's good to be here, Billy.
0: Yeah, thank you for joining me. This is a topic that is highly relevant to our listeners. As we were talking about before the show, you can't always prevent divorce, and there's nothing worse than the fallout that happens to children. So I'm excited to hear from you, based on your research and your experience, what we as parents can do to help. But first, will you give people a little bit of background about who you are and what you do?
1: Sure. For most of my career as a psychology professor, uh, first at Emory, then at Ohio University, and I trained PhD students how to work with families new family therapy. And I also did research and uh, I developed programs for parents to help them deal with difficult kids or help them deal with divorce in their kids. And so I'm a program developer and I retired from the university and I'm still doing the program development. So I've been working a lot. I'm a clinical psychologist by training, and that background has helped me come up with ways of helping people change things that they're often not aware they're doing or don't want to change and help them make those changes.
0: Fantastic. Is it okay if I call you, Don, or would you prefer? Oh,
1: yeah, please do. All right, great.
0: Okay, good, good to know. Okay, so let's first start with, based on your experience and your research, what are the negative impacts to children that come from divorce?
1: Okay. Okay. Some of these are pretty obvious. They're 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 losing their family in the sense of they're they're losing their parents living with them and being together with them. And that's that's about the hardest thing a child can go through because their stability is threatened. And so there's a lot of fear and Anxiety about the unknown: What's going to change? Where am I going to be living? Where am I going to go to school? Will I keep my friends? Uh, will I see both of my parents? You know, will they? You know, will they stop being mad at each other? So that's that causes a lot of fear and confusion. And when you get into the teen years, it, there's a lot of anger about what the parents are doing and not keeping the family together. And it's a little dangerous with teens because when they get angry, they can they can go out with their peers and do risky things. You know, a lot, you will see a lot of substance abuse, you know, drinking and, you know, drinking and driving. Every parent worries about worries about that, you know, other drugs. So the more stressed they are, the more likely they are to get into substance abuse and perhaps delinquent behavior, breaking the law. So the teens are are at a risk. And then, and then younger kids, it's really hard for them because they don't have a peer group, the real young kids, to get support from. The teens... Usually have a peer group that gives give them support and that that helps them cope. But the younger kids, you know, often don't. They're not as reliant on their friends as when they get into like middle school.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, the parents are are all important to them. So it it's what what's really tough is the stress of divorce, which is I think the second biggest stressor that people face in their lives is divorce, mm-hmm. and that that stress causes lots of bad things to happen with parents. And one of the things that affects the kids is that they're not as attentive to their children. Mm-hmm. They're dealing with their own emotions, their own sadness, their anger, their grief. They're distracted. Uh, they don't pay as much attention to their kids. And a lot of times they can be irritable and they'll bark at the kids. So the, the stress, <laughs> the impact of the stress in the parents is directly felt by the kids. They could be depressed and depressed parents are not as attentive and they're they're harsher in their discipline with the kids when they're depressed. So at the very time kids need a lot of support because of the parent's emotional state, they can't give it to the kids. Mm -hmm. And if, if the, if the the children have aunts, uncles and grandparents nearby, that's a good time for them to step in and be supportive of the kids, Mm -hmm. especially grandparents. And I'm, I'm a grandparent and, and, you know, I'm really big, big source of support for my grandsons. And, so the kids are fortunate when they have relatives nearby who can be, you know, calm with them and be attentive when their parents can't. Yeah. So, so another another negative thing that happens with many parents, and I did some research on this, is that many parents want children to see the divorce the way they do. They want the children to see that the other parent is the one who's to blame for the divorce. Mm. They want children to be on their side. Mm -hmm. They may be uncertain about how much the kid, how loyal the kids are to them. So they give them little loyalty tests all the time to demonstrate their loyalty to that parent. Okay. And that's the hardest, from from what we know from research, the hardest thing for kids is being given a loyalty test where they have to pick one parent over the other. Yeah. And whoever they choose, they're going to lose because they're rejecting uh, the other parent.
0: Yeah. So can you give some examples of frequent loyalty tests or things that might be a loyalty test?
1: Yeah. Th- this is something that happens a lot. One parent will, will say critical things to the child about the other parent.
0: Yeah.
1: And e- even in intact marriages, that happens.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, your dad spends too much, you know, too much on sports equipment, you know, or he's never here. He's out playing golf with his buddies. But with divorce families, that really ratchets up. Mm-hmm. So being critical of the other parent, and the child wants to defend the other parent. Mm-hmm. But if they do, they're going to make that parent angry. Who's criticizing? Mm-hmm. So they usually just be quiet.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And 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 we we teach them in this online program I developed called Children in Between. We teach children, in this new kids program to speak up and use what's called an eye message when they get caught in a loyalty bind and tell the parent how it makes them feel.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it
1: usually surprises the parent because the parent, when the parent's being critical of the other parent, they're usually unaware of the impact on the child because their part of their brain called the amygdala is activated and it's in, they're in fight or flight because they're stressed out when they're angry at the other parent, they're stressed and they're not able to, to sense what the children are feeling. So they're not intentionally putting the kids in these binds. They're just not aware of it. Yeah. So that's, that's one of them. Another one is grilling the kids about the other parents' personal life. So you know.
0: before before you move on, I want to give a couple examples of where this has come up for me. And, okay. I, and I, I think well-intentioned parents can fall into this. Early on, when my ex-husband and I were getting divorced, my second kiddo, we have four, was having a birthday party. And we, my ex-husband and I had decided that we would allow my son to choose if he wanted to have a sleepover at his dad's house without his other siblings around Mm -hmm. or at his mom's house. And it was even that, that, that my husband and I, my ex-husband and I were on the same page and we were trying to give our son the option of like, what would you prefer? That shut him down at the time. Now, now we're we're years out, we're three years out. And that conversation wouldn't be the same, but at the time, even that option felt like a loyalty bind and caused grief for him. And it was, it was, it was wounding, you know, it wasn't intentional, Mm -hmm. but, but, but it happened. And then, you know, there's other times when you have teens and when you can, you can be try to be supportive. So they might be complaining about the other parent to you, Uh And you you might try to be supportive. Well, yeah, you know, your dad can be hard, but even that Uh causes a loyalty bind as opposed to focusing instead. And I've I've myself done this. Instead of focusing on, you know, your dad can be challenging. We know that. Saying something like, I know you (sighs) can handle this or, well, how did you handle that? Or I think you handle that really well is a much better way to go. So this is me reminding myself and, and all the other parents out there that we do fall into these traps.
1: Yeah. And what that first example you cited about, you know, you know giving your, your son a choice, you were, you were well-intentioned. Yes. you're well intentioned. Yes. What do you would you like to do? It doesn't matter That's us, whatever you want to do. Right. But he's saying he took it as I've got to make a vote here. Yes. <laughs> I got to vote. Awesome. I can I can't vote for both. I gotta pick one over the other.
0: Right. <laughs> Don't do that to me. And and I I think one one mistake parents make, especially early on in the divorce, is telling the kids that they can choose. That's horrible for them. That puts them yeah. in a terrible position.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it's much better to kind of like re- reflect the child's feelings. You know, like you know, you're like a child's complaining about the other parent instead of agreeing with them. And you you know, you might be saying, "Boy, they got they got it. They're spot on here." <laughs> <laughs> You can just reflect, well, it sounds sounds like you're disappointed or you're angry or frustrated with your dad. Just, you know, not giving, rending an opinion, but reflecting their feeling. And it's it's really helpful. It's really helpful whenever you can to try to guess the feeling your child's having and and put it out there because a lot of kids don't have a lot of emotional literacy. They develop that with time and they're not good at identifying feelings. Uh Uh And this children's Uh program I just developed teaches them to identify feelings and so they can, so they can name what they're feeling. And that gives you just naming your feeling when it's a negative feeling, it really lessens the, the harshness of that feeling. There's actually brain research showing that when you name a negative feeling, it's you, you, your, your brain calms down. It's not as hard. If you're that you you're, you're sad, <clears throat> you're embarrassed, you're angry. And you, you know, say that to yourself. You could even say it out loud or to yourself. And that really helps. So whenever parents are seeing their child feelings like make some guesses about the feelings, encouraging the child, encouraging the child to express those feelings, you know, it's really good. Uh, I mentioned, you know, the, the, the loyalty by the other loyalty binds that parents unintentionally put their kids in and you know, like grilling the child about the other parent's personal life. Oh, oh, your dad's got a new girlfriend. Oh. So, so you had a little fun with with Sarah and your dad, you know that you're talking about that. Did Did Sarah spend the night at your dad's house? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's it, you know, you you know people are intensely curious yes. about what their ex spouse is doing with somebody else. Yeah, and and they can't contain themselves; they have to find out. And yeah. the child is the witness that they are grilling to find out. And because there's an intensity, emotional intensity behind those questions. They're not tuning in again. Uh, again, they're, uh, they're trying to uh, get information from the child, but there's an emotional load there. And because there is an emotional load, they're not sensitive to how uncomfortable it makes the child.
0: I'm our- glad that you bring this up because I see this as a problem both ways. There are some kids whose parents do not want to hear about anything related to the other parent. And those children aren't even like, they're not even allowed to express what their room's like or the hmm. fun time they had. And then you have the opposite end of the spectrum, which is the, tell me everything you did. Did he leave you alone? Did you do your homework? Did you make it to practice? Did you get there on time? Did you have, Yeah. <laughs> and so ha- how do parents find that happy median be- between like allowing your children to express what's going on in their life, which might be half of the time, not with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think you know what, what we teach them in the in the parents program, children, thing, what we teach the parents is the stuff that you need to communicate about, like medication and, you know, activities you're taking the children to and, and asking questions about that. That you when you were at your mom's house, did you take your medicine this morning? That's fine. But it's the parents personal life where they're, they're entitled to privacy that you should avoid asking questions about. Got it but but sharing you know the child's enthusiasm about you know I went to the went to the uh, railroad park with mom today well oh tell me about that I want to hear about that you know sh- and, and sharing their enthusiasm rather than doing an investigation of what the other parents doing and, and and you know if you're trying to if you're showing genuine interest in your child or you're trying to get information about what the other parents up to that's about their personal life sure so So That's a tough one. Another thing that parents do that they're not conscious of is they'll, they don't want to talk to the ones that don't want to talk to their co-parent, they will use their children's messengers to deliver messages. And quite often that information is loaded. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, uh, we've got plans, ask your dad to bring you back an hour early tomorrow night, you know, because we got plans. And as soon as the child says that, the dad blows up, you know, you know, and sort of like kill the messenger uh, idea. So, so those are things that we found that, that parents are unaware of what they're doing and the impact on the child. So we have video scenes showing the ways that uh, parents do this. And when parents see other parents doing this, they recognize that they've been doing it. Mm. And they don't want to put that kind of stress in their children. So they stop doing it.
0: Mm-hmm. So it's a
1: really kind of easy fix. You simply make parents aware of doing something they didn't know what they were doing. And it was harmful for the kids and they'll stop doing it.
0: So I want to follow up on this because at some point, like I've got a 17 year old and at what point do they, it seems that as my kids get older and especially with a 17 year old who's now driving, he has more flexibility, you know, he pops by my house when he's at dad's for the week or things like that. And which is fine with me, but they, they tend to become a little bit more involved in dictating their own schedule. How, How should we handle that?
1: I think they should give them a lot of leeway because they're, because if they're, I mean, they're supposed to be learning to become independent and make responsible decisions. Um, So you want to give them opportunities to do that, you know, but monitoring, monitoring them to make sure that they're safe.
0: Mm -hmm, They're
1: mm -hmm. not making decisions where their safety is at risk. And so
0: if the 17 year old says something like, I would like to spend some extra time at your house, you know, mom Uh or dad, Uh should that mom or dad tell the, the teen, well, you need to ask the other parent or should that parent of the teen say, I'll check with your father and see what he says.
1: Yeah. I think that you know, the latter, you know, okay. saying, well, let, let me check, but, but also say uh, wh- what, you know, how do you think your dad will feel about that? Okay. And what, Or oh, so, well, I've already told him and he's fine. Well, there you go. Then you can relax. That's already been, so you can find out, have you already discussed this with the other parent? It's a legitimate question. And then. You know what? What are their feelings about that? If the child's uncomfortable about doing it, then, then you know, you like you said, you know, I'll check with your dad, and we'll you know we'll talk about that. But if you're, for instance, if if they want to do something with their friends, and you plan to camp a family camping trip,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, it, 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 those those times are precious, and and they're with their if they're usually with their friends a lot, then I would I would talk about why it's really important that they go on the family camping trip and why you want them to be there. So, you know, you have to exercise your, you know, parental authority to say, this is, we planned this for some time. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I really want you to be there. When we get back, you can do something with your friends.
0: Sure.
1: So that's, and another thing that parents do unintentionally that puts kids in a loyalty bind is to complain to the children about how the other parent spends money.
0: Oh.
1: (laughs) And so, you know, they're kind of expecting the children to agree with them and side with them that the other parent shouldn't spend money the way that they do. Oh and so it's yeah. yeah you know so we have you know we, 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 we in, in this program by the way that the the, pro, the children between program is used heavily in maricopa county
0: it is i took the parenting class as because it's required for parents yeah. and and i took the class and it was really good
1: okay oh great great what's well, so but one of the scenes shows the the child asking the 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 father for money for a school field trip yeah the dad gets upset and says what do?" you what do you think child support's for? I pay your mom child support. Ask her for the money. And then the, the the kid goes to the mom and asks for the money. And the kid says, oh, your dad's got plenty of money. Go back. He, he can afford this. Go back and tell him to pay for it. And the kid's going back and forth like a ping pong ball.
0: Yeah.
1: With, and hearing the negativity from each parent about the other parents. So that's an area where, you know, how parents spend money is, is, is a problem. And even in intact families, that happens. You know, complain right. about, you know, their parent spending too much on something. So after, after parents see these video scenes, they really are, they really learn, you know, what they've been doing without awareness that causes their children to be stressed and, and they stop doing.
0: It's a great program. It really is. It's, it's required in Maricopa County in order to get divorced with children. And then in order to file for a modification. So let's say you, you manage to get yourself divorced because you agree to it. And you haven't taken the parenting class. In order to actually file for a modification, you have to have taken this course. And I almost wonder if if it shouldn't be required, like on an ongoing basis for some parents. <laughs> like some parents could use reminders.
1: <laughs> absolutely.
0: I get reminders every day in my office from parents who are getting divorced.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's it's I absolutely uh, can use your mind. It's just so much information packed into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but what we do is we give the parents a chance to opt in to receive. Uh, text on their phone to practice the skills in the course for twice a week for six months. That's a great And yeah. and, it, and the parents who do it, they love it. It really gives them, like you said, gives them reminders, yeah. and they incorporate the skills in the course to, you know, in, into their into their lives. So it kind of changes the way they interact with a parent. We teach communication skills, how to listen well, you know, how to use eye messages with the other parent so you don't blame them. You know, how to problem solve, how to talk to yourself so you, you calm down. You know how to take deep breaths when you're starting to get tense. So, we give them a lot of these skills and then we'd send them texts to remind them to use the skills.
0: That's fantastic. I know that you mentioned already that divorce is probably the second possible most traumatic thing that can happen to you. The first being death, right? Yes. Yeah. So,
1: death of a spouse.
0: So, what we're dealing with is obviously awful. And at the same time, it's this opportunity for growth. And so for the person who's leaving, they're often more focused on the growth opportunity, the possible benefits. And I think this can be one of those times when toxic positivity can raise its, its ugly head. When we, you know, when the person who's leaving feels so liberated and so happy for their new life that they're not allowing their children the time to grieve.
1: Yes, yeah. And that's especially true when they get a new partner and they're wild about this new partner. Yes. And, and they're and they think that they, they think the children are going to feel just as excited about the new partner as they do. And the children do not. No. <laughs> especially if the kids are a little older and they're very loyal to the to the other parent. And then they've already formed an attachment. And it's going to be very difficult to form an attachment to a new person. Yeah. so so the excitement about this new person is usually not shared by the kids and yeah. then of course the other the other parent, especially the one that they've not repartnered they're not real happy about this that their ex has found a new and they're more likely to be peppering the kids with questions or criticizing this new partner and actually people go back to court a lot over that issue
0: new now, partners
1: new partners that often prompts them to go back to court they're angry. They think the new partner is, is not safe for the kids to be around. And the parents who don't repartner quickly are less likely to go back to court. So we recommend that parents wait about a year after their divorce to, you know, to start a relationship and introduce the kids to the partner. Give the, give the kids a chance to, to grieve, like you said, you know, to grieve the, the loss of their family.
0: Right. To to understand that living in two houses is going to be okay that that they've got a new norm, then maybe something can add to it and be better. But if you try to add, you know, replace your family with this new family, new partner, like you're just it's kind of like when we asked our our son, you know, whose house you want to sleep at? It was just too soon. Like give him a minute.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like you said the, the the person the 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 lever has has been em- emotionally planning for this for some time yes. and they're you know they've kind of like already moved past that and the, the children haven't and right. so they're the, you mentioned they're looking forward to new opportunities new freedoms you know they're, they're excited and then the kids and the and the the ex ha- are It's rare that both people, both parts of the couple agree at the same time to end the relationship. I
0: completely agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. And usually by the time somebody gets in my office and they want to file for divorce, they've been thinking about it for a minimum, minimum of three years, Uh, sometimes much, much longer. And so one of the reasons that the divorce process takes a long time is because you have to give the other person the ability to catch up before they can start talking about how they want to split up their stuff and their kids you know they need a minute maybe more than a minute they need time to to grieve before they can before they can transition now the idea here is what can parents do to mitigate against these effects and make it easier for their
1: well that's a good question because we just released a new program for kids it's meant to be watched by parents and kids together that teaches them ways of lowering their stress. Children's mental health issues have skyrocketed in the last several years. And COVID has been a big part of that. Yes. And they're very stressed. There's a lot of anxiety and depression and behavior problems that didn't used to be there. It's a mm-hmm. national crisis. Mm-hmm. The teen suicide rate has quadrupled in 10 years. Mm. And we even have younger children, seven, eight years old, killing themselves. And it's, it's horrible to think about. So I think that, you know, that's one of the reasons I developed the program is give the kids some tools to lower their stress. And we have this, we have, there's seven chapters in the program and we have a different child host for each chapter. So we have kids teaching kids. That's awesome. And the kids are interacting with this animated blue orb. It's an alien called Orby he comes from another galaxy and he's a wise mentor and he talks to these kids about these ways to lower their stress and so they learn things like uh, like deep, deep breathing to lower their stress they learn like bring up a happy memory to help them lower the stress like they learn how to to express gratitude to lower their stress so these are ways that research has shown works. These are evidence-based methods mm-hmm. to lower stress. Mm-hmm. and And Orby and these child hosts are teaching the viewers how to do that.
0: That's fantastic.
1: And, and since the parents are doing it with the kids, then the parents are reminded about these methods because yeah. in the uh, in the parent program I developed, they learn this. Yeah. but many parents wouldn't have had that program but they learn these these good good skills so they can model it for their kids and they can prompt their kids to use these skills so we want the parents to be to be coaches and mentors for their children in the use of these skills
0: that's fantastic what ages would benefit most from the from orby
1: good question 7 to 14 okay and we've been we've been surveying parents who've been using the program, and we've got some really nice results. Parents are reporting that their children are are less anxious, less depressed, and have fewer behavior problems. So the parents are seeing the benefits. They're also reporting better conversations with their kids. Sure. So, and in the, the the older ones are really enjoying it, and, and actually it seems to be enjoying it from ages seven to fourteen. And the animated Orby is a really cute and wise character and it keeps keeps the kids interest up and um, so we're we're expecting that parents going to be you know hopefully using this uh routinely we're going to try to you know get the word out about this that's what I'm happy to me mentioning on your program
0: absolutely i'm happy to hear about it so what is the cost and
1: 1990 you- 1995
0: 1995 and then can you watch it more than once or is that only- oh yeah Okay. No,
1: you can unlimited. And you can even, you can even, if you buy it, you know, to watch it with your child, you can even give your ex the password and they can watch and don't have to spend the money. Yeah. And that's an act act of kindness right there.
0: This is a tremendous resource. Mm-hmm. A tremendous resource. It's teaching skills. It's allowing you and your child to slow down and do something together and connect It's a conversation starter and every single one of us, even if you know, gratitude, deep breathing, all that, I mean, it's a mindfulness practice. It's not a one-time thing and being reminded to practice is tremendous.
1: Yes, that's a good point. Mindfulness is a big part of the program. And I had, had a really competent mindfulness consultant who she went over all the scripts and made some really good suggestions. We think a lot of times after doing the program, parents and kids will start a meditation practice.
0: Mm, that's fantastic. And
1: yeah. And that's really there's a program that the Goldie Hahn Foundation's gotten out to schools all over the world called the Mind Up program, and they teach mindfulness to kids starting in first grade. That's and kids great. really like it. It really makes a difference in their academics and their how they get along with peers and, and how they get, interact with a teacher. So that's in this program. And, and children are learning at a, a, a young age how to be mindful, how to tune into their senses when they're worrying, how to get bring themselves to the present moment so they're not worrying about the future. And it's it's transformative.
0: I love this so much. I think I thank you for putting together this program. I'm definitely going to get it. I've got two kiddos that will, well, I might, I've got 17, 14, eight, and six. And I know the eight and six year olds will be into it. The 14 year old will probably roll his eyes, but that's just where he's at in life. I'm used to it. (laughs) You know, he's really smart. So,
1: (laughs) great. Well, yeah. well 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 when you when you have them watch it I'd love your feedback tell me, tell me tell me the reaction
0: I will um, I will and so where can we find it
1: the- It's called it's called Children in Between kids version and, and and you you can google that children in between kids version and you'll you'll find the website
0: wonderful well Don thank you so much this has been a tremendous episode and for our listeners if you've enjoyed this please don't forget to click and subscribe thank you so much for watching and listening and we will have to have you on again
1: okay, happy to do it and thank you for the work we are doing with families I'm so glad that you're a person like you is helping guide families through this really tough process
0: we try we try it is it is tough. But it's not always avoidable. So I appreciate that. Thank you and have a great day. You too, Billy. Thanks so much for listening to the Modern Divorce Podcast. Remember, anything you've heard today or anything you read online is not the replacement for actual consultation with an attorney and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Even if you called in and we spoke to you, you are anonymous and we don't have your details and you have not become a client of Modern Law. However, we would love to speak with you or you should seek out the advice of legal counsel or counseling or any other expert near you. And if you have an idea for a show topic or you need to speak with an attorney in Arizona, you can reach me at info info at mymodernlaw.com